0: some questions that we can ask ourselves to ensure that we start this year properly with God. A lot of people do new year's resolutions. You know what I find about new year's resolutions? They last maybe to the end of January and then they're gone. Folks, we need to not have resolutions like that, but what we rather need is a true commitment to Christ. But sometimes, even in our Christian walk, we need to stop and evaluate, am I where I need to be in my walk with God? Because things can slip, can they not? So, this morning we're going to look at the spiritual Christian in Psalm 27. Or another way to look at this is five questions to evaluate my walk with God. In 1 Corinthians 11:28. 28, as Paul's given instructions to the church on the um, Lord's table, he says that a man is to examine himself. And so this morning, what I want us to do is look at five questions examining ourselves to see if we truly are the spiritual Christian that we need to be. And if not, then we need to take this morning to get it right with God so that we can start 2023 walking with God as we ought to be so I pray that each of you will allow the Holy Spirit of God to examine your hearts and show where your walk is with God this morning. So if you're physically able, if you please stand with me as we read Psalm 27, and we're going to read all 14 verses. Psalm 27, starting at verse 1, "'The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear?' "'The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid?' When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in a time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, shall he hide me, he shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, round about me, therefore, while I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because uh, because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over under the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord so five questions we're going to look at as we go through this passage this morning evaluating our walk with God let us ask the Lord for his guidance please father again as we examine this passage I pray that each of us would truly allow your Holy Spirit to examine our hearts and ensure that our walk with you is where it needs to be Lord as we start this new year Again, may it not be a temporary resolution, but a wholehearted commitment to you, to serve you, to be faithful to you, till you come to take us home. And Lord, I pray that you'd use this church in a great and mighty way this year as each of us commits to you, to be a spiritual Christian walking with you. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Five questions I believe the psalmist asked here, or the five questions it could be taken from this passage for us to evaluate ourselves. Is First of all, do I have confidence in the Lord? Do I have confidence in the Lord? Verses one through three, the Lord is my light and my salvation. God is our light. John 8, 8, 12. Then spake Jesus again to them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. We know Jesus Christ is the light of this world. And you and I, Christian, need to be reflecting His light to this world around us. Because where there's light, there's illumination. You know, when you're driving at night, and you're going really fast down the highway, but you have your low beams on, you really can't see where you're going, can you? So you flip the switch, turn the high beams on so you can see further, brighter light. You can see greater distance, right? You and I in our Christian life need to follow the light that God has given us. Now, as God directs in our lives, he doesn't give us the light of five years, ten years from now. He gives us the next step that we're to take. And as I've said many times, when we take that step, the light will move so that we can continue on. But light not only illuminates, but I find light kind of comforting, except for when I'm trying to sleep. But if you've ever been in a cave or in a, in a mine or something like that, where there's pitch darkness and they turn out the lights, there's just something eerie about that darkness. It's a darkness you can feel. There's a comfort in having light, is there not? So, answering the question, do I have confidence in the Lord? We need to first of all remember God is our light. He illuminates, and we need to follow him. And then the psalmist asks, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So, if God is our light, He is our strength, He is our salvation then why, we have no need to fear men. Jeremiah was told in Jeremiah 1.8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Too often we fear, what will somebody say? What will somebody think? What will so-and-so do? Christian, you and I need to get over the fear of men. As I said in an earlier service today, unless God intervenes in a great and mighty way, we're going to see religious persecution coming in our country. Now, again, I don't mean that to be doom and gloom, but folks, we need to be prepared and don't be afraid of men because the worst a man can do is kill the body. But Jesus tells us in Matthew 10, 28, fear not them which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. As a Christian, you and I have no need to fear death. And if by chance... We were required to die for the cause of Christ. It should be nothing to fear, but rather understand it's only ushering us in the presence of God. But instead of fearing men, instead of fearing what men may think or what men may say, you and I need to speak the truth of God's word boldly. We need to proclaim the truth that there is salvation in Jesus Christ. You and I need to proclaim the truth that is in God's word. And despite what this world is teaching, despite what this world is doing, you and I need to proclaim the truths that are in the word of God. It doesn't matter that people don't want to hear that homosexuality is wrong. It doesn't matter. People don't want to hear that abortion is murder, but they need to hear it because it's still biblical truth. It's still God's truth. So do I put my confidence in God and not in man. You see, instead of fearing man, we need to fear God. Verse 3, Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me. in this, why, be confident. What is it in which he's confident? He's confident in God. The psalmist finds his confidence in God. So you and I need to ask the question, do I find my confidence in the Lord? The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the holy is understanding. So, if we're going to be a spiritual Christian, we need to have a proper fear of God. Realize, as the psalmist says in verse 2, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Why? Because God protected them. Understand, God is your protection. God is your salvation. God is there. He's going to deliver you. But if he chooses not to, we still need to have our confidence in him and not in man. Christian, it's high time you and I start calling right, right, and wrong, wrong, and stop going along with what the world does and says and call sin what it is. Now, I'm not saying we need to be unloving and unkind in our position, but we better start standing up for the right position and find our confidence in God himself. So the first question that we need to ask to evaluate our walk with God is, do I have my confidence? Do I find my confidence in God? Number two, do I have a desire to worship the Lord? Do I have a desire to worship the Lord? Look at verse four. One thing of a desire to the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and then to inquire in his temple. Now, speaking to the Sunday morning crowd, but the truth is, do you desire to be in the house of the Lord? Or do you find excuses why you can't be in church? Understand something. We preachers don't talk about faithful church attendance for our sake, we remind you because it's for your benefit. You need to be hearing the preaching of the word. We need to fellowship with other believers. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You and I need to realize that being together as believers and hearing the word of God and worshiping God together, I'll tell you what, those songs we sang, while we're few in number today, I could hear you singing it as true worship to God. And I could see it's focusing our hearts and minds on the great, wonderful God that we serve. That's what the song service is to do. It's not a time filler. We don't do anything just to fill time. Everything we do in this service is to focus our attention on Jesus Christ. But do I have a desire to worship God? Psalm Psalm 122.1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Verse 4, he also talks about to behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you and I see the beauty of God? As we were driving home, well, first of all, on the way up to Pennsylvania, when we left the house, it said we'd be there in seven and a half hours. Then it changes to eight hours. Then it changes to nine hours. Then it changes to ten hours. And my wife was like, we're getting off of 95. Anybody who drives 95 knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so we got off and we took one and went up that way, up through 17 and whatnot, and 66 over. But anyhow, and then on the way home, we decided we're going to avoid 95. So she wanted to stop in Hanover at the Utz factory. That's where all that stuff came from. But anyhow, we got on 15 and then went down through, um, anyhow, when we were almost down to Richmond on 288, we've got stopped for the first time and we're sitting in traffic for an hour at an accident. But on that drive going up through the mountains of Virginia, there's a lot of beautiful places, a lot of beauty. And so while it took longer, Maybe, maybe not. At least we weren't looking at taillights the whole time. We were enjoying the beauty of God's creation while we're out there. That was the point I was trying to get at. It was beautiful. I love going to the mountains. I love where we live here by the ocean. Because both have their unique beauties, do they not? Folks, how about the Word of God? Is not the Word of God a beautiful book? God revealed himself to us in word. And we get to know our God by studying his word. And how beautiful. Even this passage we're studying this morning, how beautiful a passage this is. The word of God is a beautiful, beautiful book. Are we studying it to know the author better? You know, in everything God has done, there's beauty. A little baby. Who doesn't like a little baby, right? I mean, come on. Mary won us first place in the uh, Christmas parade. <laughs> it's just what babies do. <laughs> right? In the way God controls circumstances. and the way God cares for you as an individual. There's beauty in all this. Too often we're not focused on the beauty of God. Let's go to verse 5. As I desire to worship God, I need to realize he's my refuge in the time of trouble. Look at this in verse 5. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in this pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 5 says he's a rock. You know, a rock is an unmovable place. You and I, Christians, should not be moved when trouble comes. As the world's views and opinions change and shift, you and I need to be standing solid on the rock of God's Word. Standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. Unmovable! Some will say, well, that's not right, because you were not willing to compromise. And I tell them, look, there are certain things in life that I cannot compromise. If God said so, I cannot compromise on these things, period. But another principle we learn from this is never doubt in the dark what God has revealed to you in the light. So what do you mean by that, preacher? When God has shown you clearly something you need to do, and then the troubles come and the storms arise, don't doubt. Don't doubt. While I love pastoring here at Freedom Baptist Church, let me say, not every day has been a glorious day. And there's days when troubles come. There's days when it's trials and whatnot. There are days that, yes, I have thought I would be better off walking away. But you know why I don't? Because God made it clear this is where he wants me. And I'm not going to doubt in the dark moments what God made crystal clear in the light. That's not the time to make a decision. When our minds are not fully clear and straight, it's not the time to make a decision. And then verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies, round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Offer your sacrifices unto the Lord. The sacrifice of joy, Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Do you realize that? When you're praising God and giving thanks to God, you're offering a sacrifice to God. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, thank you for this church we get to gather. Thank you for heating this room. Thank you for just praise God for what he's done. That is offering a sacrifice of praise to God. And then we already talked a little bit about part of the song service, but here again it says about the sacrifice of singing, or I will sing praises unto God. So another offering, if you will, that you can bring to God is singing His praises. You know, I don't understand why the world gets so caught up in all this garbage music. There really has no meaning, no message, no whatever to it. I want a song that praises God, don't you? So, as we're evaluating our lives this morning, do I have confidence in the Lord? Do I desire to worship the Lord? Then, number three, do I have a passion to be near the Lord? Do I have a passion to be near the Lord? Verse seven, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. David desired to hear, to be heard. Of the Lord he had a desire to pray how is your prayer life you want to be near to God you need to communicate with God right and we communicate to God through prayer he communicates to us through his word so are not both of these important if we're going to draw near to God there needs to be communication with God and I am glad prayer is not something we just have to do at the end of the day or right before meal but I can pray to God at any time any place and it doesn't have to be a long, flowery prayer. It could be a short prayer. It could be praying a long prayer, but it could be just talking to God. Because is that not what prayer is? You know, we don't have to all of a sudden change our English to the old King James English when we pray. God understands modern English. But if we need to pray and remember God is the one who hears and answers prayer. But also... He says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me. Do we desire God's mercy? Now, I don't deserve His mercy, but do I seek His mercy? Lord, be merciful to me. Remember when the publican and the Pharisee came to pray? And the Pharisee is standing there and he's praying with himself, the Bible says, O oh God, you know, and he's just telling God all these wonderful things he does. I tithe, and I, I fast twice a week, and I'm such a good guy. And God, you're just so privileged to have me on your team. I'm just a wonderful person. And yet it says the publican wouldn't even raise his eyes. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. How do we view ourselves when we come to God? Well, God, I've been doing pretty good. I've been living for you. Yeah. Or do we say, God, thank you for your mercy to me because I'm still just a sinner saved by grace. There's still work to be done on me. And God, be merciful to me. God, I'm trying to live for you, but I fail you many times. Be merciful to me. Do you see the difference in the heart attitude? How do we approach God? God, I need your mercy. I don't deserve it, but I'm so thankful you're merciful, God. Because, Christian, if you're like I am, it's embarrassing how many times I failed him. But I'm thankful he's still merciful, aren't you? Do we seek his face? Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Verse 8 When thou saidest, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, seek God. Seek him early. Seek him throughout all the day. See God working in your life in every aspect. You know, even again, on the way home, we stopped for I don't know what we stopped for dinner, I guess it was. And then we came upon that traffic and my wife was like, you know, it is amazing how God always protecting us because it was quite apparent that the accident hadn't been there very long, even though we were waiting an hour, it was just stopped. And you just don't know, could have I been that one if God didn't delay us or if we didn't stop for whatever the reason is. But how often in life have you gotten a flat tire and instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for protecting me today, we get mad that I got to change a tire. A couple weeks ago, the battery on the van had died and then I came out and the car had a flat tire and I had an appointment. And so I called the guy I was supposed to meet and I was like, I'm not going to be meeting you today because both of my cars are down and I got to fix them. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't even think about it, but I was like, okay, Lord, this is what I got to do today. No problem. But maybe I would have gotten in an accident going to that meeting. Who knows what could have happened? But you know, folks, let's not sit there and get all frustrated and angry about it because my plan changed. It just changed the tire. I went and got a battery and I got them both working. Figured that was probably a good use of my time that day. Verse 9. He writes, hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Do we desire God's favor in our lives? Not as anger, not as chastisement, not as displeasure. Now again, I understand He is a merciful God, but He's also a loving Father that will chastise us if we are continuing to live in disobedience. I don't want the chastisement of God in my life. I've been there done that. Not a fun place to be. I want to be in the center of his will. But you know, even in those times of chastisement, he's showing his love and his mercy and his grace. Just like when we correct our children, we don't do it out of hatred. We don't do it out of anger, I hope, but we do it out of love because we want them to follow God. We want them to do the right thing. And so sometimes we have to chastise them. I think I told you. Not too long ago, I was invited to a meeting talking about parenting. And I mentioned corporal punishment and this one lady really got mad. She goes, all you have to do is take a child, look them square in the eye and they'll they'll always listen to you. And I almost wanted to say, what planet did you fall off of? But I didn't because the Bible makes it crystal clear that a parent has a responsibility of chastening their child. And sometimes that involves a little bit of a board of education applied to see the learning. Because you know what, at a young age, they need to associate doing wrong with hurt and doing right with reward. And by the way, that is every part as much of disciplining a child is when they do the right thing, rewarding them for doing so and encouraging them in that. As it is, you know, we always think of the negative aspect, but there's actually a very positive aspect of discipline too. Is there not? Yeah, and we forget that part. When they do right, how about compliment them? You might actually see a little bit more right happening. Well, when you and I sin against God and we continue to live in sin, does He not chastise us like a loving Father? He doesn't do it because He hates us. He do, does it because He loves us and wants to bring us back to Him. But I'm thankful even in that He shows His great love and mercy. In verse 9, he says leave me not neither forsake me i am glad that we as new testament saints have a promise he will never leave us nor forsake us you understand that once we have the indwelling holy spirit he's not taken from us you understand that's a privilege the old testament saints didn't have because it talks about the spirit of god coming upon them but it also talks about the spirit of god leaving them and that's why they would ask so take not your spirit from me. We don't have to ask that because we have the indwelling spirit that's never taken from us. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. He'll never leave you nor forsake you and he'll be there when others fail. Question number four, do I seek God's direction and guidance in my life? Do I seek God's direction and guidance in my life? Verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. Are we still teachable? It doesn't matter how old we become, we still need to be teachable. I learn something new from God's word every day. I hope you do as well. Always be teachable. Always be learning. Don't get an unteachable spirit that says, I've arrived. I know it all. As a matter of fact, the truth is, the more you learn, the more you realize You really don't know. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. You know, that that phrase. But we also need to seek God's will and God's guidance. Look again in verse 11. O Lord, teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. Ask God for his guidance and his will in your life. Isaiah 30 and verse 21 says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. I am glad that if you and I are, are studying the word of God, you and I are praying, you and I are following God, we're worshiping God on a regular basis, we're seeking his direction, we're... have a true desire to worship him we have a passion to be near him that God has promised to he'll direct us and I love this passage it says you'll hear a voice behind me this is the way walk ye in it when you turn to the left or turn to the right because are we not sometimes like a little child oh look at that oh look at that over there and God has to gently remind us this is the way walk ye in it keep going straight okay yep this is the way okay Are we not that way many times? Sure we are. Aren't you glad that he just keeps guiding us in the right way? This is the way. Nope, this is the way. You ever take a hike with a little kid? Come on, this is the path right here. Follow this way. You and I sometimes are just like a little child. Very easily distracted. Oh, something shiny. Oh, something over there. We need to keep our eyes. On Jesus Christ and walk in the path that he has for us but I am so thankful that when I start to stray off the path he gently reminds me this is the way this is the way walk ye in it how many times have you picked up the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God shows you an area in which you've been struggling and gives you the answer how to get that right with him and you get on your knees before Him, and you confess to sin, and you get that matter straight with Him, and all of a sudden, you're walking in the way again. Isn't that beautiful? Jeremiah 6.16, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the way, and see, and ask for the old paths, wherein is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. You know, and that's exactly where our society is. And unfortunately, where many Christians are, we don't want to go the old ways anymore. We don't want to do things the old fashioned way. We want to bring in the lights and the glam and the glitter. And we want to have our our church service please our flesh. And we want to have, you know, we don't want all that preaching because it makes people feel bad. We want to be feeling good about ourselves. So we want to have, you know, all the upbeat music and all the lights and all the whatever. I mean, you go to these churches, so-called, and it's no more than a glorified rock concert anymore. And people walk out of there feeling good about themselves. Listen, if you walked out of this church every single week feeling good about yourself, then I must not be preaching the truth. Because you shouldn't be feeling good about yourself. You should be feeling good about your Savior. Amen? Amen? And now, sometimes there should be conviction going to preaching of the word. And when you get that matter settled, you walk out of here feeling better because you're now walking closer with God. Now, I'm not saying that should not happen. but You know, sometimes a message may not necessarily bring conviction, but it may help you in an area in which you have been doing the right thing to help solidify that and say that I need to keep going. But every purpose of preaching is not about you. It's about the glory of God and us changing to His image, becoming more like Him. But we need to find the old paths. And I unashamedly say, Freedom Baptist Church stands for the old paths. We believe that you're still saved the old-fashioned way by coming and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. And I'm thankful that the the Ground at the foot of the cross is level and all men can come to Jesus Christ for salvation. And I'm thankful for the old-fashioned singing. I'm thankful for the old-fashioned way because this is what God has said. We're not going to replace preaching with drama or some fancy speech, but we're still going to preach the truth of God's Word because that's what God has commanded us to do. And yes, the world calls it foolishness, but the Bible told us they would. But then verse 12. Trust God to deliver you. Deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. You know, God can protect you and deliver you, just as he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who said we are not going to bow to some false idol, but we're going to follow God, and God is able to deliver us. But even if he chooses not to, king, understand one thing. Now, I want you to understand what these three men said. They didn't say God is going to deliver us. They said God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, understand one thing, king, you can play the music all day long. We're not bowing to that false, false idol, period. And the king gets mad, has not play the music. These guys don't bow. So he has him thrown into the fiery furnace. And I love it the king says, didn't we throw three in there? Yep. Why do I see four? And that fourth one kind of looks like the son of God. That's because it was. And you know, the fire did nothing to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but to burn off the fetters that were binding them. It took off, it took off the, what was holding them in place, the ropes and whatnot, burn off, but even their clothes were not singed with fire. And they got to walk with Jesus Christ himself that same God is still on the throne today and He has not changed. And Christian, He wants to work in your life the same way that He did in their lives then. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's still the God who can protect you. So simply trust Him. He's the God that can deliver you. Simply trust Him. Then verse 13, I had fainted lest I believed and see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, see the goodness of God. See the goodness of the Lord." Verse 13, "I had fain unless I believe the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do we see God's goodness as I seek His direction and guidance? Do I see His goodness and how He delivers and guides me? Then one more question. Number five do I encourage other believers? Do I encourage other believers? Wait on the Lord, be of good cheer. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Do we tell others, wait upon God? You know, the hardest thing to do in life is waiting. Now, I would like to think those of us who served in the military might have learned something about that with the hurry up and wait all the time in a hurry to get somewhere just to stand there and wait forever. But honestly, I think most of us found it quite frustrating. But as we tell others to wait, do we show how to wait patiently for God? Do we show them that waiting doesn't mean sitting stagnant, but doing what we know to do while we're waiting for God's next instruction? Isaiah 40, verse 31, And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait in the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I've used this illustration many times, but it's worth repeating. When you go to a restaurant, you call the individual serving you a waiter or a waitress. Because yes, I still believe there's difference between men and women. But i don't expect my waiter or waitress to sit there and i'm waiting on you and do absolutely nothing but a good waiter is going to make sure your cup isn't empty which i have a problem with because my mama always taught me eat everything on your plate and drink everything in your cup so i try to empty it then they fill it back up but that's what a good waiter is going to do a good waiter is going to recognize when you're ready to order They're going to come back and check on you, make sure everything's fine after you put a mouthful in, right? And then they're going to clear the plates as you're finished. You see, they're serving. And so you and I, as we are waiting on God for whatever he might be directing us to do, we need to be serving in the meantime, waiting, doing what we know we ought to be doing for him now. And as I do, he can direct my next step. Waiting. On the Lord does not necessarily mean sitting around stagnant, but serving while we're waiting. Folks, you and I need to be an example to others on how to wait on the Lord, both in the serving aspect and in the being patient till he gives the next instruction. Both aspects of waiting, you and I should example to other believers. But with that, He says, be of good courage. Do we encourage other believers? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good, the use of edifying, may minister grace unto the hearers. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. Interesting verse. And... I'm not going to dig too deep into it, but there's different ways to respond to different people. Warn the unruly, comfort the feeble mind, and support the weak. That means the way we treat others is always, it says, be patient toward all men. So it's always with patience. But depending on their mindset or attitude may determine in how we address them. In other words, the unruly needs a warning. The feeble-minded need comfort. The weak need support. And we need to be careful that we're doing the right thing at the right time. Because if it's a weak individual, it's not time to sit there and give them a warning. You follow what I'm saying? It's time to support them. And so that means then if I'm going to be an encourager to other believers, I need to be cognizant and I need to understand where they are. That requires getting to know them and spending time with them and getting to talk to them and communicate to them so that I can communicate properly to them. There's a concept. I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, Charlie, having been a Marine for all those years. Not everybody needs retreated the same way every time. Just sitting there and blasting them is not the way to fix everything. Right, Stephanie? She is a Marine, too, so I can pick on those two. And they know exactly what I'm talking about because that's the Marine Corps way Just yell at them tell them what you want done and then it's supposed to fix everything But the problem is in real life. It doesn't actually work Warn the unruly, comfort the feeble-minded support the weak, but in all Here's the hard part patience Patience toward all Okay, sometimes we get impatient with others let me just give you a reminder. So Caitlin just stepped out with Mary because Mary's getting fussy, right? Now, did anybody sit here and say, what is wrong with that child getting fussy in the middle service? No, because we're patient. We understand she's but a baby, right? And when she messes her diaper, they're not. I can't believe this child. What is wrong with her? (laughs) Because she's a baby. There's a patience there. A patience because she hasn't grown yet she doesn't know yet so it is with other believers maybe they're not where you think they should be in their spiritual growth but how about we be patient with them and help them get there instead of getting critical and judging and saying what is wrong with you you should know this by now what is wrong with you that's not going to help there's many times that i have preached a message and then a guest preacher will come in and say something very similar to what I said. And then one of you will go to either the guest preacher or to myself and say, I've never heard that before. And I always say, well, praise the Lord. That's wonderful that you understood today. It's not that you haven't heard it before. Maybe it's just a different voice that you helped understand it today. Right? But it doesn't matter where you heard it. The point is, if you're growing, let's be patient with one another. I'd like to think, and I hope I haven't ever chastised somebody. Yes, you have. You've heard that before. I said that two weeks ago. What's wrong with you? That would be foolish to say. Right? Might be truth, but it would be foolish to say. (laughs) I'm kidding. Encourage others to seek and find their strength in the Lord. So let's go over these five points again. I'll go back. And let's ask ourselves each of these questions. Number one, do I have confidence in the Lord? Do I have confidence in the Lord? Number two, do I have a desire to worship the Lord? Number three, do I have a passion to be near the Lord? Number four, do I seek God's direction and guidance for my life? And number five, do I encourage other believers? All five of these questions taken from this passage but all five of these questions i think we need to evaluate and ask ourselves so that we can say lord is my heart where it needs to be starting 2023 is my heart where i need to be as i start this new year as we have a time of invitation i'm going to challenge each of you ask yourself these questions i hope you have been as we've been going through the message and if the holy spirit has convicted you then may i challenge you during the invitation Take time to take these to God and say, God, whatever it might be, whether it be encouraging others, whether it be worshiping God, whether it be having a passion to be near him, if God has convicted you in one of these areas, would you get that straight today so that we can have the beginning of 2023, all of us walking as spiritual Christians, walking with God. Let's bow forward to prayer.